welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. That was very sweet. Um, well, we're going to get started here. Gosh, it's just like a buzzy, happy morning. I think it's because we can think. (laughs) It's not hot. We had a wedding on Friday, and I don't think I've sweat more. It was pretty rough, but this morning is beautiful. We can focus. We want to (laughs) sit and listen. (laughs) Um, Well, my name is Jenna. If we haven't met, I'm the executive pastor here at Awaken. Uh, Today is Sacred Sunday, so once a month we take down the screen um, and use bulletins. So if you didn't get one of those, there should be some folks walking around who will pass those out to you. Um, Well, I will be leading us in our call to worship this morning. Um, This call to worship is from a book that I've referred to many times. It's called Meditations of the Heart by Howard Thurman. Uh, This particular call to worship is entitled, God is with me, um, adapted from this book. So if you are able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we prepare our hearts for worship this morning. God is with me. All around me are certain expressions of orderliness, of beauty, of wonder and delight, the regularity of sunrise and sunset, the fragile loveliness of a wisp of cloud fringed with silver, the wonder of day dawning and the delight of companionship. All these are his handiwork. God is with me. Again and again I am stirred by some experience of tenderness, some simple act of gratuitous kindness moving from one man to another, some quiet deed of courage, wisdom or sacrifice or some striking moment of unstudied joy that bursts forth in the contagion of merry laughter. I know God is with me. God is with me. Always there is the persistent need for some deep inner assurance, some whisper in my heart, some stirring of the spirit within me that renews recreates, and steadies. Then, whatever betides of light or shadow, I can look out on life with quiet eyes. God is with me. Amen. Um, Well, again, good morning and welcome to you. If you are new, we're really glad you're here can be a big deal to come to a church for the first time, Um, so we're glad you're here. If anyone is interested in connecting at Awaken, you can fill out a connection card either in front of you, scan the QR code in front of the pew, um, and fill out a connection card. Someone from our staff will contact you. We would love to take you out for a beverage of your choice and get to know you a little bit better. Um, If you fill out a physical card, those can go in the black boxes. Um, You can also use that QR code. We have a Venmo. Um, If you have any tithes or offerings today, and again, any if you do it physically, those can go in the black boxes as well by all the doors. A couple things for community life coming up this month. 
Um, we have something called Camp Create for kids, which is a really, we've done this for years, and it's a really beautiful concept where we have artists and creatives in the uh, community here who offer their talent and time to you um, and your kids and take them for a couple hours. Some of these things are even free 99. Um, so we have a couple of those things coming up in June. So nature art journaling will be happening June 14th from 10 to noon and June 26th, watercolor. Uh, from 6 to 7.30, you can register on the website and find out more there. On June 15th, from 10 to noon, over in the nursery, um, Heidi Acapayete hosts something for anyone, moms with babies under one. Uh, it's just a time for you to connect with other moms in the community. I went. It was really fun. Mostly, that's my office. So, <laughs> I was just hanging out. Um, and then finally, we are bringing back summer edition, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which is going to be really great. So the idea of it is you are just going to spend an evening with a handful of people. You will know your hosts, but you won't know the other guests who are there. It's a surprise. So for people where that makes you feel like you want to die, I probably fall in that category as well, but it's actually really fun. You literally just are with new people for two hours, uh, people that you maybe would never know otherwise. So it's really beautiful. If we are looking currently for hosts, so if you are interested in offering your patio or deck, it will be less of a full dinner, more like appetizers, desserts, hang out outside together. You can register by June 26th on the website. So it'll be fun. June 20, or I'm sorry. July 26th is when the actual event will happen from 6.30 to 8.30. Um, and then finally, we just wanted to note, we've had a very hard time figuring out whether or not to go to one gathering this summer. There's just so many outliers there. We just want to give a heads up that it's an active conversation. So mostly just pay attention to your email and maybe check the website before you come. <laughs> um, that won't happen until July, though just so you know. Okay, I'm done talking, which is great, um, but we are really excited for who will be with us this morning teaching. Um, Pastor Kelly Chapman and Mary Maker will be with us today. Uh, Pastor Kelly has been with us a number of times over the years. He is a trusted companion in the work, a mentor, um, someone who's really beloved. So he works for Center for Leadership and Neighborhood Engagement, and Mary was connected to him as an intern a number of years ago, and they're just hanging out. Mary is former intern, future theater star in New York. <laughs> um, so you guys can come up and maybe give them a welcome. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Uh, as Jenna mentioned, I'm uh, Kelly Chapman. I served as a pastor of a congregation in North Minneapolis for 20 years, and I was blessed to start a nonprofit, the Center for Leadership and Neighborhood Engagement, and a couple of years ago, um, established a relationship with uh, Micah 
and Jenna, and uh, a couple of months ago, Micah invited me, uh, graciously invited me to come and, uh, and uh, be with you this morning. And as we were talking, I said, well, you can pick out, you know, a favorite verse of the Bible or, you know, some way of, of a teaching ministry. And, that, and then also I realized that you have uh, embedded within your ministry, your congregation, a commitment to refugees. And, and I thought immediately about Mary. What a gift it would be to you if Mary might be able to be present with you today and give you a break from listening to me. Uh, and, but in thinking of that, I, uh, Mary and I, uh, we thought about the book of Ruth. And of course, I, as somebody who's been a pastor for more, more than 30 years and seminary trained and all of that, I thought that I would come and, and I would give Mary a little piece of this and I would kind of set it up and I would know more than Mary does because I'm theologically trained and all of that. And uh, so I kind of had it set up, and my wife and Mary were, went out last night, and Mary and I were sitting around the dinner table this morning, and I was listening to Mary. And scriptures opened up. And I think about what a blessing it is for you this morning to hear from Mary and her story. And uh, so I'm just going to open up the scripture, and Mary will make it come to life in sharing her story. So... Excuse me while I put on my eyes. Because, yes. And so I have to read a portion of the book of Ruth. It's just four chapters long. And there's a powerful statement that joins out in this uh, where uh, Naomi uh, has gone to Moab uh, with her sons and they've married two amazing women, Ruth and Orpah, and they die. And back Back in biblical times, so much of the stability for a woman was whether or not she was attached to men. That men would take care of her, that that would be the livelihood, that sense of social stability, financial stability, and her husband and her sons died. And so Naomi's in that position of what will the future hold and so she has this conversation with Oprah and Ruth and releases them to say, look, my future is bleak. I release you to go back and, and, and have a new future. Get, get some more men who will take care of you and provide that stability in your lives. And Oprah said, I'm good. And she went back to start a new life. But Ruth says to Naomi these words. So she said, see your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her God returned after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, did not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your, your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. And may the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well. Even if death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw this, as he said that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her.
Mary, I invite you to please uh, take take the mic, as they say. And uh, what 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 jumps out in this, this story to you? Um, so I I have lived this book, you know, um, the story of Ruth and Naomi and uh, and Opa is something that I, I find really fascinating, you know. Um, that chapter, chapter uh, verse sixteen, um, she, she she tells her. I'm going to go with you. Your God shall be my God. Your people shall be my people. And as a refugee, I can't help but think of what it means to leave home. Naomi had to leave Bethlehem at first to go to Moab uh, because of the famine, right? And that was a hard decision for her. And now she goes to Moab and loses her husband and her two sons, and decides to go back to Bethlehem. I look, at from, uh, I look at it from the position of Ruth, having to choose to go to a place you have no idea where it is. As a refugee, I can't help but relate to that. I was born in Sudan, uh, and if you well know the story of Sudan, it's, 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 a, it's a country that has been uh, grieved with violence and uh, a fight um, on religion uh, and also on just fighting for power and, and, and politics and uh, I happen to be across much of that. I left Sudan um, I think 98 or something. I don't know how old I am which is crazy. Every refugee gets January 1st as their birthday because they cannot figure out when you were born so I fall in that category January 1st. Uh, I wanted to have a special birthday so I chose June 18th and I became a Gemini. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so I, um, I, 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 I left Sudan. It was not an easy choice for, for my mother. I look at my mother as, as Ruth, having to leave home to put aside what she knows. For her, she knew what it meant to go to a new country, to assimilate, to become the word refugee, which is something she was really scared of, to be othered, for everyone to look at her and be like the immigrant coming to take our country and, 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 and suck us dry, you know. It's, it's the other, the othering that she had to endure. We had to move from Sudan to Ethiopia first. The Ethiopian camp was full. Everyone is fleeing war. And, um, and, and, and for me, as a child, it's just another adventure, you know. Okay, let's move from one village to the other. But for her, when I look at her in her eyes, she knows what that means. It means to dig up trenches for us to hide when the Antinovs are, uh, are bombing us. It means having to look out for her child. It means to lose her other kids. It means to lose her relatives, her parents. And now she has to go and seek refuge in an unknown land, meaning she has to learn the language. And I'm seeing Ruth do the same. Going to Bethlehem, she doesn't know what God to worship there. She doesn't know what awaits her there, whether she's going to be welcomed or not. I came to Kakuma refugee camp. I know Tom, you know, uh, <laughs> Kakuma. And um, for the very first time, there's, there's no gunshots. For the very first time, there's a sense of peace. Far away from home, I don't know what my future will become. And here I find myself in a new land, having to learn English, having to learn Swahili, having to assimilate. Most of the time, we don't talk about the story of Oba. 
having to go back. It's not exciting, you know. But what makes Ruth special is that she sticks with Naomi. What does it mean to have a support system? What does it mean to have women support women and, and that kind of sisterhood and, and collectiveness? I've, I've had to experience that my entire life. I arrive in Kakuma refugee camp. We, we have nothing, literally nothing with us. And, and here we are in a refugee camp that holds over 250,000 refugees coming from 10 plus countries, all of them confused, not knowing what their future is. You come to the refugee camp thinking you're going to be there for one month, one month turns into 10, into 20 years, and you realize you're going to die there and your story will never be told. Think about Ruth coming back with Naomi. They need to search for security. And, and, and for, for some reason, this security uh, at this time is, is in the male patri patriarchal kind of uh, society, right? Um, they, he ends up, Ruth ends up being married to Boaz because of a, a, um, a culture that they were following from Deuteronomy, right? Uh, having to... Uh, if your cousin dies, you can marry the wife so that the lineage can continue. So still, they're embedded in culture, but they get security. For me, it was the same. Coming to the refugee camp, I need security. What are we going to do? So there's UNHCR distributing clothes and food. And I remember my mother would wake up at 5 a.m. And she's like, okay, it's distribution day. We all run up to uh, distribution two in Kakuma two. Uh, and, and inside are huge trucks from America, you know, all kinds of clothes. And my mom goes in there to dig in for any kinds of clothes that would fit me. Of course, everything was oversized. And there they, they goes a t-shirt, Nike. Just do it. I am not paid by Nike, <laughs> but it, it, that, that spirit, I was like, okay, I got this. I got to do this. But my mom was looking for support system around the entire time. Still, home was in her mind. I need to go home. I want to feel whole again. There's this emptiness of losing a part of you, of being considered like you don't belong. And there I am in the, in the refugee camp. I'm, I'm introduced to school for the first time. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's a hard thing because how do you win as a refugee when you're isolated from the rest of the country? When there's 200 congested kids in one classroom and one teacher with one book trying to teach you ABCs, how do you get to college? I think of Ruth in, in, in that terms. How do you survive? How do you gain your security in a known land without knowing anybody around you? Find myself in that place. If you know Kakuma refugee camp very well, it's semi-arid, no rain, probably once in a while, and if it is, it's floods. You can't farm, you can't work because the government does not allow you to work. So you don't have independence, you're dependent on a system that doesn't understand who you are. I currently work as the Goodwill Ambassador for the UN. And what I do is represent refugees on a global stage. I hate to represent people. Because every time everyone is like, Mary, you're so resilient. I don't wanna be resilient. I wish I didn't have to be resilient. But then I have to find support system to help me get through my day every day. I graduated high school in 2015, and um, 
as a refugee, you can't work, so you, don't, you cannot get loans to be able to go to college. And I was like, oh, dang, I am stuck. And I was in this space where I have come to an unknown land, thinking I'm going to find my refuge, thinking I'm going to be fine and okay, just like Ruth, I might end up somewhere nice. But that's not always the case. So I'm stuck for four years, searching, ruminating, thinking, waiting for someone to see me in that very space, for someone to be my Naomi, for someone to be my support system, and it just doesn't work out. I lost hope. Most people say you're, you're very resilient and you have hope, but I lost it in those four years of searching for a space to go to college. I finally made it to St. Olaf College in 2019, but those four years was a hard journey for me. Most of the time when I tell my story, I have to remind everybody that it is a glimpse of a refugee life. I came out. I got out of the refugee camp. Many people don't. The story of Naomi was a story of her pushing and going beyond what she thought she could. And God prepares her to be this divine uh, a woman that gets to have the generation of, of David, the generation of Jesus. So sometimes you, you don't know what is ahead for you, you know. Um, and I found myself in, in that space of like, am I going to end up like Ruth, where I'm going to succeed at the end? The problem is when you're in that space, you don't see it. Time is slower for those that wait. Just faster for, for anyone that is making policies and, and, and deciding your fate for you. But when you're in that very space of waiting, just asking, is there a God out there? Is there a sign out there that I'm going to get out? Because to be stripped of your own humanity, your own very core self, is like getting back to the famine like returning to, 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 to Moab for the sake of, uh, for the case of Opa. And I wanted a sign. So when I came to, to the United States for the first time, I, 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 was, I was welcomed by people. For Ruth to make it in Bethlehem, she needed Naomi, she needed other people to come for her. She needed Boaz to become her husband. Who are those people in your lives today? When I came to the US, I didn't know I was coming to Minnesota. It's not that I love, I hate this state. I love it, apart from the winter. Uh, if you know Kakuma, it's completely different from 100 degrees to negative something. And I'm like, dear Lord, <laughs> I should have asked better. I, I remember, Pastor Kelly, or you, were, you were like, uh, I think it was your wife. I'm confusing both of you right now. Who told me what? But it's like, oh, I should ask God next time. Please give me a calling with warm weather. <laughs> So I find myself in Minnesota, and my host mother, uh, Kristen Evanson, like, welcomes me. She picks me up at the airport. It was 70 degrees, and I was cold. And she's like, oh, boy, she's not going to survive the winter. <laughs> so I come in, but I don't know if she knows what that meant for me. I don't know if my host family understand what that support system meant for me. There were being a Naomi in my life. There were being a boss in my life coming through to help me navigate college, how to even go to office hours and sign up for classes. I have no idea, you know. 
how to how, how to ensure that I actually fit in the school system, being a first generation and not just first generation, being the first in your community to go into college is my ancestor's wildest dream. And here I am not even knowing what to do with the degree that was presented in front of me. It was those support system for her to send me cookies in my mailbox and letters that uh, I'm like, I've never received this. This is really cool. So I paraded them around my wall. You know, every time she sends me a message, it's those support system. How many immigrants come to the United States today? Most of them end up here, but end up failing. It's a hard system. They have to learn a language. They have to navigate the spaces. You have to go to work. You don't, uh, we come from communities that are very communal, so everyone take care of your child, and now you have to think about who, who is going to babysit for me, you know? Uh, it's, it's all this system that makes so many immigrants that come here fail, because there's no support system. So how do you show up when these people come into your space? How do you become a support system to ensure this person pushes through like Ruth and make it to their promised land at the end of the day? Um, I couldn't have made it without, you know, um, without my host parents coming to school, you know, and, and it, that small gesture of me having to spend Thanksgiving with them and having a family unit around me is something that I was really searching for. Um, uh, <laughs> and like uh, it, all these things come through if we all work together. A few days ago, I gave, uh, two weeks ago, I gave a speech at Duolingo in Pittsburgh. And someone told the story of a starfish, uh, the starfish in the sea. Like there was a girl that went to the sea and was taking, um, is it starfish or goldfish? One of the fishes. Uh, like <laughs> they will take and throw it, you know, into into the sea, and there was a lot of them that had been washed ashore. And um, the father came and I'm like, "What are you doing? This doesn't make sense, you know. Like you will never be able to make it." And and, and the kid was like, "Well, it makes a difference for this little starfish." And then they throw it in the water, and the father went back to the village, brought the entire village, and they all collected the starfish and throw it into the water. Now, one thing that that doesn't get told about that story is. The fish knew its way home. It just needed that little push into the water. For us to succeed in life, for, 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 any, for, for you to see your neighbor today, it might be the refugee story that you might not easily relate with, but these instances in your life where you become a Ruth here in the United States, here in your neighborhood, and you feel like you need a support system to help you that sisterhood, that brotherhood, someone to push you, someone to support you, for you to make it to your promised land, for you to become a divine intervention in other people's lives. So all of you become the part of the village that go and pick up that starfish, that person that is struggling next to you, for you to push them ashore. Remember, they know their way home. They just need that push from you. Thank you. She's not done yet. <laughs> so um, this morning, we're thinking about um, that the book of Ruth is not just a refugee story. It has a lot of parallels with refugees. I mean, that um, Ruth and Naomi, they weren't refugees. Um, 
they were they were navigating an oppressive system, right? And, um, and that um, so uh, you shared about um, living in a household and culture um, where Christians and Muslims, possibly pagans, are can be all in the same family. And so uh, navigating that and thinking about in our world that. Um, as the world becomes increasingly diverse, maybe you can help us to see from the picture of your background and your world about what was your experience with that. Brian Stevenson talks about in his book, Just Murphy, talks about proximity. That when we're, when we're in relationship and with proximity with other people, a compassion and empathy and understanding happen. So can you say a little bit about growing up in your household, particularly around faith and what you said maybe with your mother and your father and everything? Uh, so for me, religion, since birth, I was introduced to it as this violent thing that separates people. Uh, you can imagine, if you know the history of Sudan, is the northern part of Sudan is majority uh, Muslim and the southern part is Christian. And um, it, this tension is a big part of the war that has been going on in, in Sudan. My father led, uh, was in the government, the Sudanese government, and for him, he has no choice than to convert into Islam uh, to be able to survive. My mother, on the other end, is in the southern state, you know, and also has no choice than to convert and become Christian because of the missionaries that came. And in between that, I'm in this household where I'm, I'm confused on where to go. Because I know both of them probably are not deep in their faith, but they're doing it for survival. So I was introduced to religion as, as this thing that is dividing people and also a means of survival. And I hated it so much. I'm like, why can't we all just, just get along or something? Um, and then when I came to Kakuma refugee camp, my mother was a deacon in the church. And um, she, she started, I, I saw it from her eyes as, as, this a play, as a place of refuge. She would read the Bible and then she would relate to every single character. Well, my mom used to make up stories, so she would fix herself in that story and actually fit in. And I'm like, huh, this woman. <laughs> you know, uh, and so like I started to see it as a way for her to overcome the idea of losing a home. You know, she would, she would read any kind of verse and still relate it to herself by all means possible. And it was a refuge for her. My father, on the other hand, was doing it to survive. Like having to read the Quran or, or something like that as, as, as a way to fit into the system that was already in front of him. And then I look at Sudan again and seeing the Janjaweed militia group, which is currently disrupting Sudan. If there's a current war going on in Sudan. Um, and, and for them, they were like, you're not Muslim enough. So there's this kind of spiritual cleansing that was happening that led to the, um, the Darfur genocide of 2004. And I asked myself, when do you become religious enough for you to be accepted within the spaces that you're in? And then I related to theater. I know this is crazy, uh, but I related to theater again uh, and, 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 and look at theater as, as a space to see and to be seen. 
every time there's an audience and you're performing Shakespeare, which I don't understand that man, but like you're performing something uh, and, and the whole audience is looking and seeing each other. And my mother had some theatrics attached to her. So anytime she would, she would kind of like uh, talk about any kind of verse in the Bible, she brought some drama into it. And I would see the entire congregation seeing her. And I think she loved that thrill of feeling seen. So I summed up religion, or like I summed up Christianity, as a space to feel safe, as a space to, to feel seen by those around you. Jesus talks about the good neighbor. The good neighbor means like to actually see me, to really see me in that very space. What is this person going through? It's not just a thing of passing of like, hi, are you doing okay? Perfect. And then we go our ways, but being like, no, something is wrong. Can, can I have a chat with you? And that's how I was introduced later on into seeing religion as a space to feel seen. There's this South African phrase which they say is called Ubuntu. I am because you are. And I kind of started taking Christianity in that way. I am because you are. And that's how we all come together, that sisterhood, that, 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 uh, that, that neighborshiphood. I don't know if that's English. It's not my first language, so please forgive me. Uh, but it's that space to kind of feel seen and acknowledged and represented. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I hope for all of us that we would remember this story of Ruth and Naomi and that powerful statement that Ruth says, where you go, I will go. My experience will be closer to your experience. And as my experience in my life becomes closer to your experience in your life, my God will be your God. And your God will be my God. Our journey of faith is that we're all on this journey together. And in the proximity to one another, we cl gain closer proximity to God. And so may we live and embody this statement, this journey of Ruth and Naomi, that it would be closer to our journey as people of faith. Thank you very much. Now you can really applaud. <laughs> and someday in the future, you'll be able to watch TV or a movie, and you'll be able to say that Mary was at Awaken. <laughs> My word. Pastor Kelly, I love hearing you teach, but that was the right call. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Thank you for letting us see you, for bringing yourself. We're going to transition to a time of response um, and just take a moment of silence to maybe sit in what you heard, what's um, with you, and then um, we'll move to a time of song. So let me pray. God, thank you for being the God who sees, who hears, who cares. Um, we invite you in this time um, to say what it is that you would say to us.
As we transition um, to a time of singing together, during this time, communion will be available um, on either side. There's red wine and white grape juice, and all the bread is gluten-free. Um, so hear these words as, as you take that. Um, Christ's body broken for you, Christ's blood shed for you. Um, let's sing. Friends, receive these words as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.